Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast unafraid to use a map when we get lost. I'm your host and chief cartographer David Lloyd, and in this episode we'll be paying tribute to some of the best designed maps and RPGs. Designing worlds is certainly tough, and many details determine what makes a well-designed environment. Things like what ratio of open space to playable content, and especially about getting around without constantly looking at a map. We're going to get into the weeds of these details, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, environments and maps and video games today. Making his triumphant return to the mage after going missing strangely at the exact same time that Diablo 2 Resurrection released, it's Casey Gibson. It's it's true, I, I got lost in Sanctuary, and maps aren't really too useful, considering each time you go into a new game, uh, the layouts shift, and... I was, it was funny, I was thinking, I was like, could we talk about Diablo 2, even though it's sort of procedurally generated for the most part? Um, but yes, I, I don't think we'll talk too much about that. But yeah, I have been playing a little D2, uh, I won't lie about that. But I am happy to be back. Well, it's good to have you back. We'll have to wait for the uh, the smart AI episode, I guess, for that one, for the procedurally <laughs> generated. The uh, which, which computers are the smartest? Now that I say that out loud, it's a, that actually is kind of a curious episode. Best best AI. Put it in the notebook for later. That's right. Put it in the notes. And uh, for possibly the first time in our four-year history, the pub has more Americans than uh, any other nation right now. <laughs> and that's because we're joined once again by Xander Morningstar. Oh, proud to be here, supporting the country. Uh, I'm currently in map 22 of 32 in Dr. Mario World. That's my... Uh, that's my one joke. <laughs> uh, that's about it. And what's that? A hundred levels per per map? Is that uh, how it works? Uh, no, it's forty levels per map. There's one thousand two hundred and forty levels in the game, and I'm eight hundred and fifty-four. Oh, I don't think I'm gonna make it at this point. Though. Good land. <laughs> yeah. Especially now, now, now with the the new job in tow, I, yeah. I don't think it'll be any time. Now for that, that I got a new job, I don't know. I, I've kind of like accepted defeat at this point. Like I'm still gonna try, <laughs> but like I'm looking at it. I got my current pace. I'm like, you know what? I don't know if it's actually gonna happen anymore. But I did try. I did try. Oh well. I think it, this seems like a good Kickstarter uh, thing uh, project to stick on there. Help, help, give me some money <laughs> to uh, <laughs> take some time off work so that I help. can. Help me pay the for the microtransactions that they turned donations off. To quit my job. <laughs> Our GoFundMe page will be uh, in the show notes. Uh, please. <laughs> Can please I get one of those endeavor. too? <laughs> I just turn I into like a doctor. Like I go work. to med school instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, if only if only we all could get a GoFundMe to mm. pay pay the way for video games, more video games. You know, one day, one day soon, hopefully. Yep. But uh, it seems like a perfect time to bring up our Patreon. <laughs> this uh, this topic, the topic this week was actually chosen in a poll by our patrons. And uh, so that's just one of the benefits that we have of being in the Patreon. Uh, another is that uh, for the $5 a month tier, you could be part of our RPG club. So that means getting access to codes for games, whether they're to review or maybe there's uh, they, they were some giveaways from publishers that you can get some free games. Uh, yeah, it's just access for, uh, you, you get access for your games for Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, or PC, you know, any, any platform. We, we typically get some codes in now, uh, each month, so it's, uh, we divvy those up and we have some fun. And there's also, you know, other RPGs that some of us have played that we're willing, uh, to donate on to, uh, to have a new home and to have some more appreciation. So it's a, it's a great club to be in. So, again, uh, 
check us out on uh, the patreon.com slash the thirsty mage to get more information on our patreon but uh, that takes us to the the drinks or snacks uh, portion of the podcast and i'm not sure if uh, if you guys uh casey or xander have any any particular uh, food notes that you want to bring up this week hmm um i got some celebratory taco bell on my drive home from Ooh. work does that count what you get uh the number two as uh, a supreme you know just some soft tacos and then um the cinnabon delight and uh some cheesy bean and rice burritos and then i try not to drink soda but today was a special day so i got a baja blast boom yeah yeah that's awesome dude big spender with his new job yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I, I thought he was gonna keep rattling off a few more. I was like, man, he wasn't kidding. No, I like to go big when I go to Taco Bell. You can get so much food for so cheap. It's great. I know it's yeah. it's funny. Like I, I've gone with my sister, and yeah, she like she's the only person I know who spends like fifteen bucks at Taco. <laughs> How? How do you do this? That's <laughs> uh, great. I feel like terrible afterwards, but it's, it's somehow I keep convincing myself it's worth it. So. If you wait long enough, you you forget the bad and you only remember the good. Now I think I've I've had it enough at this point that I have built up an immunity and uh, I'm just reaping the the benefits now. So hopefully mm. that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I went. Um, we went up for a wedding in New York, and and now I'm down in South Carolina. So a heck of a drive, but uh, we got some good food up there. We did go to the dining hall. I made I made a note. I was like, we got to go to the old stomping grounds you know what i mean and and check it out and oh man it was just as mediocre as i remembered and it was perfect you know got a little (laughs) i got some waffles and eggs and and the like we were up early on a saturday so you only saw like a handful of people everyone else was probably still hung over sleeping but um yeah not 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 necessarily anything to write home about as far as the food goes (laughs) but uh it, it it was good memories nothing tops nostalgia Yep, exactly. Yeah, just uh, it it was definitely surreal to be like, man, I used to come here like twice a day every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for it's I guess it's uh, for me it's the same. It's nothing to nothing necessarily right home about. I basically got through the majority of my existing uh, beer supply. So now I'm like scraping the bottom of the barrel. So I've got some old uh, hand-me-down beer from uh, my dad that's uh, Moosehead, uh, Crack Canoe. So this is a premium light beer. So it's, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think what it would compare to something like a Stella, I guess, um, where it's kind of, it, it's, it's light and it's, uh, it's kind of a, like a drinking beer, I guess. It's not, uh, not heavy on the flavor or anything like that. No, no heavy hops or anything. And it's, uh, but it, it is, I guess it's, I suppose it's a good beer to bring up this week because it's from Canada's oldest independent brewery. So uh, someone's got to wave the Canadian flag in here since I'm uh, surrounded by Americans. So. USA, USA. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we got to get the Star Spangled Banner going on uh, when you introduce Xander. We'll have just- <laughs> <laughs> I could start singing. Oh, singing. It is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it is funny. I actually did have uh, some beers up in, in uh, at school as well, but we... Um, <laughs> We did like a little bar crawl. I mean, there's only a handful of bars and they're all like real, real close to each other, you know, so we popped around. Um, and then we we're like, all right, we went back to the little crappy hotel we were in. Um, 
and we were like, well, we're drinking some beers before we go out later, so we went over to the convenience store, and, and I figured it would only be right to get what we used to get, and uh, that included a 15-pack, you heard it right, a 15-pack, not a 12-pack, they give you three extra, <laughs> Keystone Lights, Ooh. And then, uh, and then we split a four loco. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, we we were we were really leaning into the college experience. I was gonna say that was not too far off from my uh, my my previous time in college before the pandemic. The locos, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're Casey, just as uh, bad as you remember. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Casey's going deep into that nostalgia wealth. Oh yeah. Well, I was thinking about it. It's like I hadn't been back to. Um, Oneonta uh, in like a decade almost. So it's like, man, this is crazy. And I probably won't go back for at least another decade. So <laughs> I figured, yeah, we might as well get, get all it the in. essentials out. <laughs> yeah. This week uh, we're we're talking about uh, things that are good, and what we're talking about that's good this week is maps. So we're uh, taking a look at uh, a bunch of different. There's going to be a wide variety of games that we're talking about tonight, and uh, all of which kind of share the same thing, where they they have a map for one reason or another is is well designed. Whether it's you know this great big expansive open world with lots of stuff to look at, or if it's just maybe something that's so well designed that you know you you get to the point where you don't even need to look at the map you just know where you're going when you want to get there and uh, things of that nature so uh, it's funny the mage i would say that we tend to kind of lean towards the grpgs here like we're we're more of an eastern crowd i think when we talk uh, talk a lot about games there's Western games usually, you know, they come up now and then, but for the most part, I would say we lean Japanese. But I think this week uh, the Western developers are going to have the advantage. It's just when you look at, kind of generally speaking, it seems like a lot of the big blockbuster games on the Western side always seem to incorporate some kind of open world scenario. So you have all these types of games like Witcher 3, Red Dead Redemption, Forza, Wasteland, Fallout... And then if you look at um, outside the RPGs, like even stuff like uh, the Battle Rails, like PUBG and Fortnite, uh, you know, you, you can criticize the, the games themselves. <laughs> but one thing that they definitely have that's, uh, you know, superbly done is that they have maps that are uh, extremely, uh, like, you, you they come to memory. Like, if you play, you know, I, I play Fortnite with my kids, you know, being the, the good parent at all, and... Uh, you know, we, we know where, like, you don't even have to look at a map. If somebody says, you know, we want to go to, who wants to go to retail row? Like we already know where that is. It's, it's kind of the hallmark of a well-designed map is when you don't need to look at it (laughs) to know where you want to go. So (laughs) yeah, what's, what's interesting with that too, is that like, I love how it's evolved, right? You know, I remember, um, the tilted towers or something, right. And then they got rid of that, I think. Or, or maybe they oh yeah, they're they're right long now. they're a long way away from that now. Yeah, I I have not played uh, Fortnite in a real <laughs> long time, but um, yep. yeah, I like how it it sort of 
it's a living thing, right? Which is cool too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the good thing is that like they, you know, there there was the one big changeover to chapter two, I guess they call it. But you know, every every couple months they're always updating some area. You know, it's it's evolving. It's yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a living thing. It's almost like a big cell. You know, there things move around and shift around and upgrade and all that sort of stuff. So it's yeah, I just think uh, for the most part, the Western developers really got it nailed and. Uh, I know uh, one of your favorite games of all time uh, is a perfect example of that, Keith. Yeah, well, this one sort of jumped off right off the bat, right? World of Warcraft has not only like a huge map because it's a big world, but like what's really cool about it is like there's more or less no loading screens, right? So when the game launched originally, it just had like two real big continents. You had uh, Kalimdor and then the Eastern Kingdoms, and essentially... You could go, you know, from the very top and run all the way to the very bottom if you wanted without any loading screens. And, like, it's essential because, like, obviously you're traveling around with uh, with your quests and different zones and, you know, you'll start leveling up. And, oh, now now I'm going to move on to the next one. And, and there is more or less, um, you know, routes, if you will, right? Like, intended routes. Like, oh, you go here and then you go there. But they give you quite a bit of freedom to be able to jump around and go to different zones um, and, and just explore that way. And then as the game has, uh, you know, gone further, you know, more expansions and stuff, they've added more continents. Um, you know, Northrin was, like, the, the first major one for uh, Wrath of the Lich King. Then, well, I guess actually Outlands for uh, Burning Crusade, but that's sort of different. I mean, it's a different area, but it's like, I don't know. It's you're in like outer space more or less, you know? So Northrin like fills in on that map real nice. And they've added some other areas over the course of uh, the game. But to me, what's the coolest thing about it is that just, it is free travel. You know, you could just travel throughout the entire world without really having too much load times. I mean, obviously when you, you jump from one to the next, there's a little, little load time there, but uh, that, that to me was really cool. And, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, someone could be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm over in, uh, you know, the Badlands, and it's, oh, I know where that is, you know, like, I can picture it on the map, and, and like you said, it's like, it's the best map, right? It's like, you don't need to look at a map to know where it is. Yeah, I have those same feelings with, like, Final Fantasy fourteen too, like, it's just, I guess, the, you know, the maps are well designed, but then you're spending enough time, too, that you're kind of just getting used to the areas, and although, I guess with Final Fantasy fourteen you're you're probably doing more teleporting than, <laughs> than yeah. actual like walking around I suppose like you're more like teleporting to the to the nearest uh crystal to mm-hmm. to get to the various so I guess it's a little bit different but yeah see that I was thinking about that too a Eorzea right for Final Fantasy 14 really beautiful world I, like I said I love get, being in it and exploring but it is a little like like fractured in my mind because there is a lot of like oh I'm going to go into this, like, very, like, oh, there's, you know, I got to go that way, go to a load screen, go to the next area, and, you know, they're all connected, and you can see it, and it still works really well, but, like, to me, what was cool with WoW is, like, you, like, oh, I can see I'm changing the zones by just walking through it, and it's like, oh, I'm going from, you know, sort of, like, a grassy area, and, like, oh, now I'm in the snow area, and you can sort of see the change of when it goes from grass to snow, and, like, Mm-hmm. To me, that was always really cool. Like, I, you just, you get to see it, you know, and feel it and, and not just be like, oh, load screen. Now, I will say with like the most recent war, like Shadowlands, like, ugh, what a horrible map. <laughs> because it's like, the zones are cool. There are four major zones in a, a big city. But 
the the way it works is like the only way to get to each zone is you need to like jump on a flight path or use a teleport. So it's like it they feel even more disjointed because like they're not actually connected. So um, I think I mean you could just argue WoW's gotten worse as time has gone on overall, but I, I would say that's definitely the case for the maps. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those can't hit can't hit a home run every time, I guess. So no, they, hopefully, uh, they just need to hit a <laughs> single right now. <laughs> yeah. <sorry. laughs> Yeah, like, so when we were, were first uh, bringing this kind of topic up, the, I think the first thing that came to my mind, thinking of a map that I just kind of know by heart, um, it would be for me, it's like the, the Arkham games. So that would be like Arkham City and uh, Arkham Knight. And uh, similar maps, but except uh, the the size of the maps like exploded from one to the other. So you kind of get a taste of it in Arkham City where... Like when you first enter the city, there it has that like you're going to the courthouse to kind of fight the the two face bot like gang like that's kind of where the area of town they hang out in and then you know you'll move on to I believe the Bowery was where the penguin was hiding out at and then you have like the uh, the the police like the GCPD building uh, where like Mister Freeze had taken over and it's this thing like you're you're there's no you're not like fast traveling anywhere like you're you're physically like flying usually you know with batman like you use the grappling hook to fly into the air and then you kind of glide to where you need to go and i just think the way that the the missions are set up you just have like they just they're sending you everywhere so you're just always becoming familiar with everything and there's always there there's no like gaps in in area where it's like okay I'm running through this like area of nothing <laughs> you know it's there's always something to look at and there's always like um things to find and collectibles like it feels and... like a real world right like yeah it's not yeah. just like oh I'm li- like literally oh this is the corridor to the next area it's just outside you know yeah and it's all it, well designed too like the you know, Gotham has that gothic feel, and they just uh, do a great job with uh, having that. Uh, all the buildings look great, and then I mean, Arkham City is supposed to be like uh, you know a prison city, so it really has that feeling of like claustrophobia where you're stuck in with all the the inmates, you know, trying to survive. So it's it's got kind of a, a good uh, you know horror film to it to a certain degree too, because it's basically like you know running around the city trying to trying to stay alive. So it's it's uh, fun that way. Uh, did I know this like Arkham City in in particular was a Wii U game? Did you guys get to play that at all? I think I own the Armored Edition. Uh, I think I got that really cheap on the Wii U, but I don't think I've ever actually turned it on. Oh really? yeah, yeah. I don't know the. I'm not sure what the difference. I know it's it's Armored Edition for Wii U, but I don't not sure if that's just like uh, some DLC content or yeah, something. Yeah, I think that was one of those things where it's like, okay, I feel like I would really like this game and my current console, I, I got it pretty early on when I got a Wii U, but I got a Wii U very late. Uh, and so I think I picked it up and was like, okay, I'll play this. And then eventually I was like, you know, I don't think I want to play this console anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I quit. You weren't a Wii U yeah, boy? Right. No, I, I didn't get a Wii U till <laughs> December of 2015. <laughs> Oh dang! Yeah, it was it was Mario Maker that sold me on finally getting it. Mm. Yeah, it, mm. if only Nintendo had released a Luigi's Mansion earlier on. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> they could have. They could have got one more. They, apparently, that the third game was being made for the Wii U, uh, according to one of their uh, their interviews. But alas, they missed out on an earlier sale. Oh well, they still got you though. <laughs> they did. They, they did. They did yeah. pinch me in the end. Yeah. 
I forget. I played one of the Batman games. Perry, uh, it was early on in Talk Nintendo, and it was uh, he. It was uh, I demand you, and, and this was I don't know if it was this one or another Batman game um, that he had me play, but I'm trying to look. I don't know. I, I can't. It's been so long. Do you remember the system it was on? Because if it was Wii U, it had to have been Arkham Knight, or sorry, Arkham City, because that's the only one that came to Wii U. Oh, okay, yep, that was the one. Yeah, because the Arkham Knight, which was the the third one, uh, came to like PlayStation and uh, probably Xbox, I'd assume. Uh, but yeah, that one was like uh, early on in the PlayStation's life. Uh, it, it was like a huge expansion. Like it was, it's probably three three or four times the size of Arkham City. And uh, I, the the benefit of that one is like you're still getting all the same thing where you have like all the zones and it doesn't take long to figure out where you're going and and you're not again not fast traveling like you're you're actually physically going to area every area, but the but great thing about this one is is you're doing it in the Batmobile like <laughs> you're just oh, bombing I, through yeah. the cities, like crashing through walls and blowing <laughs> up stuff like it's yeah, it's 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 incredible and yeah it's the same thing like they have. There's something at every corner, like there's there's something to do. They they always have you. They're always sending you somewhere so that you're really f- getting to experience the whole area. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know I, I think Rocksteady does a great job in you know with those kinds of worlds and looking forward to seeing what they do uh, with Suicide Squad when it uh, I guess it's probably a 2023 game at this or 2020 late 2022 game at this point. But uh, kind of excited about that one. Cool, but uh, our next uh, our next example up is uh, one of one of Xander's favorite RPGs of all time. Oh yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's like of the series. I wouldn't say I, I, like it's one of my favorites. I, I played it a few years ago and I mostly really enjoyed it. Uh, its dated qualities definitely uh, rang true, but it was very neat to to finally visit because I've played every game in the series after <laughs> that. After it, you know, I've, I've played all of its children, but I've never played the, uh, the one that started it all. <laughs> the source material. Yeah, the source material. Um, so it was, yeah, it was really cool to kind of finally play it. And I feel like uh, when we talk about, like, the, the Mario RPG maps, like, they're all pretty good. Uh, each one kind of could have its own conversation, but the Mario RPG one, that's kind of where it all started. And it's uh, very neat. Um, you know, you, you start in the, well, not the, the very beginning, but you, you pretty much start where the boss fight is you know with uh is it bowser's castle when you're you're saving peach at the beginning and then you're on the chandelier that's in yep Yep. and then it gets taken over yeah yeah so it gets taken over by that giant uh sword and then you get knocked smithy gang yeah the smithy gang get knocked into the forest (laughs) kind of it's funny how they kind of reused this plot uh in some strands in, in later games i mean the latest paper mario game kind of does the same thing right where you pretty much are in the castle at the beginning and then you get knocked out and you land in the forest um yeah so th- it's very neat uh, getting to go all, all the way around it um i remember being kind of uh confused at times like i didn't really uh connect with like the world map as much as i did the actual locales uh, like when I'm uh, and this is a podcast but I'm looking at this picture and I'm like I really don't remember most of these locations by name but I remember like okay like Star Hill I definitely remember that location or that Nimbus the land I definitely remember that stuff. that place because that place is the terrible platforming uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> looks it's funny the whole world kind of looks like a big donut it does, yep. it it does. Like, <laughs> it's like a... well that's that's to me yeah uh, I guess for me like just that this image that we're looking at and, and if you google it it's probably the first one that comes up but yeah it's like you said it's donut shaped and you feel like 
it just I don't know. To me, it's iconic seeing the you know like the Smitty gang with a big sword right through the castle, you know, and 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 like oh, that music in Forest Maze. It, that might be like the the most amazing like piece of music ever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you you sort of touched upon how you know you know the Mario and Luigi games and like they have really cool fun areas to explore. But even sort of to the predecessor to some of the the these as well and they're not really rpgs but even super mario world right that's like an iconic map um especially just the style like the art style like it's so beautiful works beautifully on the map and then even you know mario 3 you know it's not as in depth you know or or maybe i mean obviously it's on the nes versus I mean, Super some Nintendo, of those so secrets Casey, change it. come on oh, yeah <laughs> what do you mean you don't just pee whistle to the end um <laughs> <laughs> Did you didn't know you could use but, this hammer yeah. on this random rock on the world map that takes you to a whole other section? What? Yeah, so many secrets. But um, but yeah, no. I and then just to me, it's just the bubbliness, right? It's just so like happy-go-lucky, fun music, fun bright colors, and it. it that's what I guess it is most. You know, now nah, I was going to say iconic, but uh, what what stands out most to me? It's crazy how much the like the later, uh, more so Mario and Luigi uh, than Paper Mario. The first few Paper Mario games really do this, but they kind of they they switch to like the level select kind of world map later on, and then they've since ditched that. But uh, I want to say all of the Mario and Luigi games have stuck to this kind of map where you have like a, a greater overworld, and then you kind of see the dots connecting each place, and you can't necessarily like fast travel between them, but you can at least see everywhere you're going to go in the whole world um, before you get there and like i said the earlier paper marios do this as well and uh, it's just it's interesting to see where, where it all comes from mm-hmm. actually uh, i'll wrap this up by saying like a neat thing uh, about that is that in the thousand year door they kind of give you this uh this world map where you see everywhere you're going to go except you don't actually get all of the context for it uh, once you unlock the next place where you're going to go it kind of like pops up like a pop-up book Fills in. yeah yeah so it's like okay i know the general area of where i'm going but then like that's when they actually reveal it and then that, oh, i always thought that was very neat that, yeah it's sort of like you're mapping it yourself as as you go instead right. of just like pr- being presented the world it's like okay i'm definitely going to that island over there but like then it, once you get there it's like okay they it's, it's an island i was right but it's a little different yeah <laughs> But kind of like that fog of war sort of thing where it's like revealed as you walk as you explore it sort of thing you know yeah for sure and uh just to to hop back into the western developers and i i guess i won't go too in depth on this one because i know we've talked about this map quite a bit it's arguably one of the uh the best maps ever designed in my opinion and uh but i mean the the developer has made <laughs> plenty of them already and that's skyrim um it's one of those things too is like depending on you know the games that you've played of of bethesda there's so many people who will argue like morrowind is better or um oblivion like it's an embarrassment of riches of like how well bethesda designs maps and worlds like it's just even the uh, fallout series right they 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 had pretty iconic areas and maps I mean, the Bethesda gets you can criticize criticize them for other things like within the game and that sort of thing, and always you know the bugs or whatever, and um, maybe the gameplay is not for everybody. But 
Uh, I, I just think one of their greatest strengths is just knowing how to design a world. It's just incredible. And Skyrim, you know, we're, we're to the point. It's you know, 10 years, 10 years, the 10 year anniversary coming up. Uh, they're going to have that platinum edition, whatever they call it, for, for Xbox. The 25th release edition. To, <laughs> yeah, that's yes, right. I'm actually looking forward to getting it. It's, you know, it's going to be part of Game Pass, so it's, I don't have to pay for it. And, mm. um, yeah, just the the way everything's set up is just incredible. Like they basically drop you off uh, in the middle of the the map in White Run, uh, and then it's just kind of you know go where you want to go and and find the places and everything's got uh, something neat and something to to find. You know, like you know with Winterhold, you can go and join the the College of Mages or. Yeah, you can head over to Dawnstar where they're <laughs> dealing with like vampires, uh, you know, eating people, and uh, then you got like Solitude up in the north, where you know, kind of near the mountains of Mar, where uh, Markarth is as well. Uh, I'm probably butchering a few of these names, but it's because it's been so well. But um, and then even like Riften, like you even just starting off in Riften with that iconic scene of. Uh, where you're about to be beheaded and a, and a dragon comes and just trashes the place and you kind of get out. But it's, yeah, it's just... Wait, a, you Skyrim mean the flying a, Thomas the Train engine co- that comes in? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, if you got a PC, it could be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so dense with with uh, everything and it's, you know, just just great big island with lots to explore so it's uh, i just uh, i think skyrim and and bethesda in general it, it definitely is you know they got it nailed when it comes to design and i feel like with skyrim too right it was I, i'm i'm not gonna say obviously oh it's the first big open world rpg or anything like that but i feel like it's one of the earlier ones that really resonated with a whole ton of people you know like so many people have played this game and and like you said it's a game you spend you know tens and most people write hundreds of hours within and just traveling about and really, you know, like you said, just finding the, the little nooks and crannies and secrets. And, and it's just fun to get lost in a, a big old world like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah well, the first time I played it, uh, I is Riften where you start or is that like the DLC area? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no. R- Riften is um, where you're like, where the game re- begins when you're like getting, uh, when you're a prisoner in the, in like the the cart yeah okay is the rift in is that what's first place? the uh the eastmost city where the dlc is is that windhelm uh no so the that that's part of the um the map as well the um the the dlc i think was like an island to the east yeah so when i started the game uh you know this is just kind of open world games in general but like you said bethesda does this, does this really well i uh, i just took off I I didn't even find that dragon for several hours. The the first one that you, you're supposed to meet, uh, I never learned how to use the, um, the the shouts or anything like that. I just kind of just started running around, and I ended up all the way at that <laughs> island area. And I told my friend about that, and he gave me the weirdest look. He's like, "Why would you do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just took off." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, I I mean that's. That, that that's a legitimate way to play though too like you you, you could be criticized for uh kind of going off the prescribed trail but you know why not too? yeah you know? no i i rarely do that i kind of like a catered experience as long as i don't feel like i'm stuck in one and but that i just was like you know what i'm running i think it's because i played it after breath of the <laughs> wild and i was like you know what i'm just gonna go for it 
and uh, yeah, I had inspired. fun. I had fun. <laughs> kind of go back to the pixel it's funny we we're looking at the maps while we're doing the podcast and stuff and uh i keep finding myself uh enjoying the pixel ones best <laughs> they're just they they i don't they're know colorful. They, they're colorful yeah they're colorful and and uh i i like the artwork and stuff so it's uh funny that we're um the next one up again to go back to the, the jrpgs this one is uh chrono trigger and uh looking at kind of the um I guess what what would you call it the the continental style setup of of their map system? Yeah, yeah. I've only played Chrono Trigger like twice, and both times I've not gotten past the beginning part of the game. Mm. Um, but you got to do it. I know. I, I, that th- I was in a very similar situation. It it took me a few tries just because it was always like, oh, I'm sort of bored. Let me. I'll, I'll give this credit. And then there was just the one time I was like, man, I really want to play this game. And, and then. Then it was like boom, you know. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's definitely one of those games everyone talks about so much, and then you try it, and you're like, okay, this is fine, and then you just you put it down, and for some reason you don't go back to it. But I will get to it someday. It is on that list of like the games that you have to play. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working my way through that, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very neat. I don't think I've ever seen all of the uh, all of the world uh, just kind of laid out. It looks kind of small uh, in comparison to like what i expect other jrpgs to, uh, to offer but i also know this is the super nintendo and i also think i know a little bit about the um the things that chrono trigger does and so i'm wondering how much that impacts this space that i'm seeing right now uh, i don't know that's interesting yeah i was gonna say with you know it, time travel is a, a, a huge part of this game so right yeah, it's like you'll be revisiting certain areas in different time frames, you know? So Can't it's, have a time travel depiction of a map, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they could, unless they had the however many, like this was the present time, this was, you know, the prehistory time and and all the, the laid out next to each other. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, you'll be sort of bouncing around and going. And what's cool is you get to see how things have sort of changed and, and all that. And But yeah, oh, this game, dude, it... And the best part about it, it's only like 20 hours. I it's know, like, but apparently means, you have to play it multiple times, and that's like 20 yeah. hours each. And you're like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you don't have to play it multiple times. No, you don't have Yeah, you don't have to play multiple times. Like, you, you get the full story in one in one go. And then if you really, really wanted to, it's like, can't you can like just like level up to a stupid high level and then just go do it differently, you know? But, uh, oh, it... There's a reason this one's like one of the best in the world, you know. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, again, it's on my list. I've got a got a few of them to get through. Uh, I've got to get through Xenoblade and Dragon Quest, Chrono Trigger, you know, all, all the games that you just I feel like it's like a rite of passage even just to be on the thirsty mage, you have to have played those <laughs> games, but I pull strings, so It's okay. I I haven't <laughs> played, well, I, I correction, I have not finished uh Final Fantasy 6. 
slash three for Super Nintendo. So that, that's a that's a, a a stain on my. No, it's my okay. I I too. played the first Final Fantasy when I first met David on my phone, and I did, and that was like the the, the first like. <laughs> That, that was the instant like David knew he was like I cannot be friends with this person but uh, yeah yeah that, and that's yeah it's been uh the relationship's been on the mend ever since <laughs> it's true yeah, yeah. With the, that's the time travel of our RPG is that I've had to go back in time to change that and say save the timeline well now they got a better version of of that game on mobile so if if you wanted to get back into it you could pick up the I don't even think it was that much I think it was like it, five bucks or something really. I think it was eleven ninety nine. Oh okay. Because yeah, I picked yeah that the one pixel up, so. remaster, and that that one you can get through so much quicker. Like with the difficulty, uh, th- they've lowered it quite a bit. So okay, good. Yeah, that was like one of my things. I never even finished it on my phone because I just kind of got bored. I was like, this is just me going to maps that look the exact same, fighting enemies, and I felt like it was just grinding the game. Yeah, and plus it's on. Yeah, your there's phone. a lot less grinding. Yeah, I- yeah, and so. I was actually going to say, David, before we jump into the real world maps, right? That's what you were getting at. I've got one more to to keep our uh, pixel slash more realistic map alternation going on. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Like, those games have cool, interesting maps, but I'm going to hone in specifically on uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X and... This one, right, it's ginormous. It's a huge world, um, and and the map's laid out right there in the gamepad for you. And, like, so you're looking at the map almost, I mean, obviously not 100% of the time while you're playing, but it's, like, always there for quick reference. And then, like, with the different node systems and all that stuff, um, I forget exactly what they call them. But uh, that was also a world that stuck out to me. Each area is really distinct and different. And, again, like, you're traveling, you get that that mech and then you can fly through the air and stuff um so xenoblade xenoblade chronicles x my least favorite of the three but i think it has one of the most distinct worlds well i mean the the bionis and makanis obviously those are really iconic stuff yeah but as far as like a map goes right like it, it it's the most cohesive map i guess you would say um and yeah i mean it's got some real cool sites and and spots to check yeah w- what is this um yeah that's that one's on. Uh, that one's one of the few um, that, that that I haven't played yet. Like I, I did buy it, and actually did start it. But I, at the time, my Wii U was connected to a television that uh, the seats were like pretty far back. Can you so still I'm, play like, that looking game? At the it's, TV. Like a, it's an MMO, right? Like, no, it's not an MMO. Well, there, oh, it's not okay. No, there's like an MMO section. Like, uh, I think it, like there, there's some kind of like communal thing where, like, you can go in, but there's gonna be. Like the, the the online part won't be there, but you could still do the story and stuff. Okay, I wasn't for sure how much that like was connected to Meverse, which feels weird, but it, you know, it is what it is. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if that game ever makes finally gets to Switch, it's, you, you got to hope it does someday. Um, maybe they'll yeah. revive that. Who knows? Yeah, I, I just couldn't read anything when I started, so I, I played for like 45 minutes, and then I'm like, okay, well, I can't see a thing, so I'll have to wait. <laughs> Play this some other time. I run into that problem Played on very, a different very TV. often. Don't you worry. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I was seeing here, they said the map is five times bigger than the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Whew. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a massive world, but... Uh, Xenoblade but yeah, like itself said, is already daunting. Like Every map in that game already feels like it's like 
it's over it, it takes you hours just to get through like one area like the what is it the the giant tree the nopon village i want to say or frontier village mm-hmm. it took me like an hour and a half just to get up to the top of that tree because i explored <laughs> all of it I'm like it's just one tree <laughs> oh well yeah, no, well, I remember what what's cool with this is it's, yeah, like, you start out with no mech, right? And then you get one that can drive around, so you, you like, oh, the, the world starts to feel a little smaller, and, and then finally, then you could, like, start flying, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is really cool. But, uh, yeah, that game, I, I remember playing, like, a cool, like, 90 hours in and to just beat the game, you know? <laughs> like, not even, like, extra, too much extra stuff. But, yeah, I think just, for me, like I said, I think it just sort of... It was always there, right? It like, and I guess that would sort of be a similar situation for any really DS or 3DS game. It's like that second screen with the map. I love. I, I love being able to quick reference uh, with just like a you know. Oh, don't have to press anything. Just got to look. Yeah, it's gonna be missed if, it, mm. if they do bring it over. That's a feature I, I missed for Pikmin, um, amongst other things, which also has good maps. But that's not really an RPG, so. Oh well. <laughs> Uh, and th- another uh, thing with the maps is that uh, it was f- I was going through like a list of maps and, and games that I was playing that I enjoyed uh, the world in, and so many of them are like real uh, based on real world places. So it's kind of hard to <laughs> compare because it's almost like cheating <laughs> in, a, in a sense where you have uh, you know these the based on cities. It just makes it a little bit easier because the cities are already designed well. And so I thought, eh, well, maybe we'll just go through a few of the cities and kind of the my favorite games for those cities. So. Like, for example, uh, you know, well, the world's most iconic city must be New York City. Like, I, I don't know if too many people whoop, whoop. will argue that. And, uh, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 4, I, I just think, like, the Grand Theft Auto games, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have very, very good, ma- like, very well-designed maps. Like, I, I remember playing them and running through them and never, again, it's one of those things where it doesn't take long before you know where everything is, but... Liberty City was my favorite just because, like, I've been to New York um, a few times. And, uh, you know, and even if you haven't been to New York, you probably kind of recognize the boroughs and everything. And so, like, Liberty City is based on, um, you know, the four of the five boroughs plus New Jersey. So, you know, you got, like, Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan. And so, yeah, (laughs) the the only one that wasn't uh, recreated in the game was Staten Island. So... Uh, you know that not no major loss, loss think, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could also you could throw in the Spider-Man on PS4 uh, on there as well. Yeah, that- yeah, exactly. That's another good one. For San Francisco, I think my favorite was Watch Dogs Two. That was a it was a pretty fun game. It's been <laughs> been a hot minute since I played that one, but I still remember. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of got like the same kind of Grand Theft Auto vibes of like driving through the city and you know smashing into stuff. And then, like, Assassin's Creed series does a good job of kind of recreating the those, like, historical places. And I know that my favorite for um, the... Uh, my, my favorite of the series was Assassin's Creed 2 when you're, go, like, going through Italy. So you're in, like, Venice and Florence and Tuscany. Um, those are a lot of my favorites. Um, and then I, I could see Casey uh, joking around with L.A. Not Noir. Me. No, that was uh, all me. It's... it's <laughs> Oh, is that yeah, Andrew? Sorry. Believe <laughs> yeah, it or not, I've played a few games that don't have a Nintendo logo on them, and uh, L.A. Noire was one of them. Well, it does now. Yeah, that was a good one. It long again, a hot minute since I played that one, but that yeah, it was a fun one. Uh, 
I know Tokyo has uh, had a few iterations, and I think personally for me, Persona Five is kind of my favorite. You know, it's it's you don't really see the map per se of Tokyo. It's more like the train lines <laughs> to to the different areas. But um, I know uh, Xander, you had mentioned uh, SMT was uh, kind of uh, what are your one of your favorite Tokyo locations? Yeah, yeah, I played Apocalypse in the 3DS, and uh, it's you know it's just like Persona Five. It's based on Tokyo, and it, it kind of does that train thing. If I remember correctly, you go to like the the world map screen, and it's more like sectors or, or different like parts of Tokyo, and then it's just like a picture of the whole city itself. So it's not like a full open world because it is the 3DS, but it, it it is based on Tokyo, and it's it's neat because you know I've never been to Japan, and it, I'd love to, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> so it's just yeah. kind of fun to like explore a little bit. It's how I felt when I played a Spider-Man and L.A. Noir. It's just, it's like, a, it's not one-to-one, but it's, it's so close. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yep. thinking uh, Infamous uh, 2, I believe, right, is based on Seattle, if I remember correctly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not again, not an RP, RPG, really. I mean, I guess it has sort of elements of, but... Uh, uh, a little bit, yeah, it's got elements. Like, it, there's leveling up and getting new abilities and stuff. It's kind of like uh, Last of Us 2. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's Seattle as well, and it's again like it's you know it may may not be known as an RPG, but it has a lot of RPG elements, uh, crafting weapons and and getting stronger and that sort of thing. So yeah, maybe someday I'll make but, a yeah, video I mean, game and I'll base it in Ohio, and then I'll make the the map be like Dayton <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say just a bunch of cornfields. Yeah, yeah. that too. It's uh, That's actually like most of the game. That's, cornfields in a GM plant. That's actually where you where you grind is you just go to the cornfields. Yeah, you just pick the corn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sell it at the market. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> the farmer market's going on well, right now. Uh, that's great. Come on down. <laughs> I think that uh, brings us to the last entry on here. And it's funny that, you know, I talked about how kind of uh, dominant Western RPGs are over over their Japanese counterparts. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I feel like one map kind of rules them all. It's probably the most iconic map. It's been around for, for forever. You know, it, it, everyone knows it. Everyone's probably played a game that has it. And that's Hyrule. It's, I just think The Legend of Zelda, like you... There's so many versions of, of the Hyrule map that, that have, uh, you know, come out over the years. And uh, to see it evolve uh, is, is quite spectacular. And um, I, I think at the end of the day, the the Link to the Past uh, map might be my favorite. Just because, again, I, I, I'm really, you know, leaning towards the pixel graphics. But just looking at the Link, Link to the Past map with the, you know, the color that's bouncing off... And then you can you can just look and you can see like you see Hyrule Castle in the middle, uh, you see the forest, the the mountain, uh, the desert. Like it's just it's it's just a beautiful map. And again, like 
you, everyone knows where they're going. Like, you know that you're going to... doesn't matter what Legend of Zelda game you play in. You know Hyrule Castle is probably in the center. You know, you know, Gerudo Desert is probably in the southwest. Uh, you know, Death Mountains, you know, east or northeast. And then you got the forest in, you know, either like in Link to the Past, it's the northwest. I think in like it's the southeast in a lot of the other games. But yeah, it's just one of those, those, uh, it's just a map that, that evolves over the years and, and they always seem to really nail it. Yeah, I think it's really cool to to be able to see, I mean, a lot of games, right, you know, Final Fantasy sort of has a lot of aspects of, you know, within all of their games, but like, yeah, I love that Hyrule, it's just, it's the place, and you get to, they create it a little differently, like you said, like, you get the general idea of where things are going to be, more or less, before you even step into the game world, but to be able to see how each iteration sort of riffs or, or, you know, does some wrinkles here and there to change it up. Um, and yeah, like link to the past. What, what's cool about it is you, I can look at it and I can like hone in on a specific area and I can absolutely picture exactly what it looks like within that game. Right. <laughs> We're like, yeah. you know, we've got, um, uh, looks like, uh, twilight princess a little bit lower and and it's a little more disjointed right like there's like oh you're at the field and it's like oh like they got sort of like a oh, little line leads over to here or a little line leads over to here it looks but like an that, ink blot test to me i yeah. don't know <laughs> <laughs> for real um but then like with link to the past it's just so it's perfect because it really is it almost feels one-to-one if it isn't you know like everything is there represented on the mini map and that that is there, like even in you know in the in the town, right? You can see the little coco- um God, I can't even say that. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that. I always mess up the the dang uh, chickens, the the cocos or cocos or whatever. Um, you can see like the little weather vane, right? Like that busts out when you you play the song there. You can see that on the map. You can see all these little tiny details, and you know that's there. And then again, what's cool is that then you go to the dark world, and it's like. Real similar but different, you know, and again, it's represented super well on the map. And then I think you know, even going down, right? Like, I feel like the maps in some of the other games aren't as prevalent until you really get to Breath of the Wild, and and you look at that map, and it's just like <laughs> y- you need like a Boom. like a you know a, a master's degree to even break it down, you know, because there's so much going on there. But it's just, and it's crazy to think like, oh, those are they're not the same world, but they are, you know, like it's, it, I love just seeing the different iterations and then I can't wait to see what Breath of the Wild 2's world looks like if they're going to really sort of keep it similar, you know, or, I mean, I guess it, it's definitely obviously going to be pretty different, but, uh, man, yeah, like, look at that map, dude. It's pretty. Um, it kind of reminds me of just like how I think when I'm designing something, uh, to like kind of keep it related to the discussion. You know, I, I spent a lot of time playing Animal Crossing and this latest one lets you kind of build your own island using the terraforming feature. And I've, uh, I've kind of gone all out with it. And, uh, when I've had people over visiting, they've really mentioned like your island feels so big because of how segmented it is. And I, I like kind of took a, took a step back and I, looked at my uh, my actual map that I've created 
uh, for the whole island. And they're right. Like a lot of the stuff I've created on it is very, um, uh, for lack of better terms, amusement park esque. It's a, uh, it's, it's got like its own One area to the next kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of like walk through it and like, okay, now all of a sudden I'm in the haunted forest where I have the Luigi's mansion. Now I'm in like the Indiana Jones area. Now I'm at like at a dig site. Now I'm in the market, you know, it's just like everything's so boxed out and sectioned off. Um, but it's not like it's, linear by any means you can get around pretty easily and that's kind of the same case here with the the link to the past map uh, you can easily hone in on one specific part of it because you're so familiar with it uh be- they have literal walls like blocking off a lot of the like the whole desert or the lost woods or the mountains you know it's just it's so easy to segment things but it's also in one large image and you're able to see it all uh and you know the link to the past for the most part you can kind of go anywhere it's it, it has its own linear feature but it's very open in comparison to other games um whereas you're like you're saying with with a link to the past it has those long wiry hallways that are a lot less familiar for you to uh, look at uh, and it, which is interesting because when you compare it to breath of the wild um I know you say you need a master's degree to understand that map, but if you zoom it out and you put it next to uh, A Link to the Past, uh, not talking about it being like one-to-one, you know, they shift locations around, but just structurally, it's actually kind of similar in that, like, you can kind of just see visually where things exist on the map. You know, you've got, like, the 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 way they do the um the, the level the elevation in the cartography uh, you can see it pretty visible okay that's the mountainous region like over here is where the volcano's at that's the lake you know uh, obviously when you zoom in it kind of becomes its own map in a way um, but broad strokes it does kind of do that same thing where it sections things off and it makes it easier uh, even the entire desert has like that large uh, cliff that kind of um, caves around the entire thing that you have to climb to get up and to, or to, you have to get over it to get into the desert um so it, it's just it's interesting to me like how far apart uh owing to the past and breath of the wild are but how similar uh, i see their maps being designed and not just in terms of location but in, just in their design but uh, yeah yeah well, well even with breath of the wild like the placement of the shrines means that you probably finding most of like you're if you're going for all the shrines you're probably going to see you know most of the world but there were still different areas that you you might have been like 100 hours in and then you just kind of stumble across like what's what's this place yeah it's shocking how many horse stables you miss you know (laughs) yeah well i remember um i was really late in the game before i found the village that's like on the on the lake on the uh the ocean like i think it was laureland village it's like that little um kind of like a port like they're like a fishing village yeah. and i don't know if there's anything personally there might be like one shrine nearby but there, there's no real reason to go to the village i don't think it's and everyone's kind of just doing their own thing there and i just remember being like man i <laughs> this seems like really deep into the game to be like hey here's the village you know <laughs> i was the same <laughs> way with uh, hateno village which i think is even easier to find i just i didn't go there and uh, I never thought to, and eventually the game kind of leads you into that spot. But it, it was very far into the game. I had to have beaten at least two or three of the of the main dungeons by that point. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 shocking how easily you can miss things. Um, the horse stables in particular always stood out to me because it's like I've beaten Ganon, I've beaten him several times, I've beaten all the shrines in this game. What do you mean I've missed a horse stable? <laughs> but it's it's, yeah. it's great. 
yeah, I think that's what's like super cool is that like some games, right? They they put all this time and effort in, and they're like, we want you to see everything we've done, and they're they're gonna yeah sort of direct you that way. But what's so cool? I mean, specifically, right, Breath of the Wild, and and of course, this would probably go for games like Skyrim and and any really big open world is that they've created so much and. Yeah, the average player probably doesn't even see more than half or, or maybe, you know, maybe three quarters of it. And there's still a whole quarter of the map that either they haven't explored, you haven't been over to, or maybe you just real quick like, oh, I, I went over there for a second to grab something, but I didn't actually explore, you know. And I, and I love that it's like there's just so much to it that realistically, unless if you're a madman, you're not going to see it all. <laughs> I love how... Uh... The DLC added in that, the like, so after we put in, like, a couple hundred hours, the DLC drops that puts in, like, where, where it shows the all path, your steps. Right, yeah. The, yeah, and all, like, all of a sudden it's like, just boom. <laughs> it's like, holy moly, I've, there's, there's footprints everywhere. Like, I've been all over the place. But then this kind of, you, you still get that idea of, like, okay, it's clear where I was spending most of my time, and then you could kind of see the yeah, this, see the areas the, where you sort of were like, I just want to get through. <laughs> I want to want to move on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think uh, I think that'll do it for the for the map uh, talk this week. It's like I said, the very neat seeing the the evolution. Uh, I, I think my we all kind of agree that Twilight Princess might be <laughs> the, the worst looking one. It, it's funny. It, it's almost like. Um, that era though when i because i think of like other maps from that that kind of gamecube ps2 era uh you know i think of like final fantasy 12 where it, it was very much the same thing where it had like the hallways to the to like the no the the areas so it's like you got a big area and then there's like a hallway to another area that's that's kind of like looking at this map it really reminds me of, of final fantasy 12 and kind of that how how from a uh, you know design standpoint they kind of had to make it that way for uh for the game but this is the last call for alcohol this evening drink up drink up drink up and order again this is the last call for alcohol get going for last call this week it's uh it's funny with Square Enix it seems like They've got a whole lot of games coming out in a short period of time. <laughs> and it seems like a lot of those games are kind of oh, like weird. these weird <laughs> pet projects. Yeah, like it's like you got Voice of Cards coming from Yoko Taro. Uh, we just found out that Dungeon Encounters is coming out from Ito. Um, and this is uh, one of the directors from like Final Fantasy VI, IX, and twelve. Uh, the, the guy who designed the active time battle system, or one of the designers anyway. And, and then you got like Strangers of Paradise is kind of like Nomura's baby uh it, yeah just all these like weird oh and then you know we've had a lot of saga games come out from like you know from Kawazu and stuff so it's 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 all these veterans of Square with these these odd games uh that that really feel like these like little mini pet projects and I mean they all look kind of neat we don't know <laughs> what they're gonna be like till they come out uh you know when we get the full uh the full experience but I'm just curious um you know what you guys think of uh, of this kind of uh, time in Square Enix's period where we're getting these pet projects, and if there's any uh, you know designer or developer out there that uh, you kind of hope will kind of be given the same kind of uh, reign or you know given some rope to to do one of their own pet projects, is there something that you'd like to see? Well, yeah, I mean, I love it, right? Like, especially 
I have not tried the. I downloaded the demo of, uh, for, of Voice of Cards. I haven't gotten to play it yet. But just looking at it, right? Like it's such an interesting concept. And then yeah, I saw Dungeon Encounters looks even weirder. Um, <laughs> yeah. like real strange. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I. And then of course, yeah, we played Stranger of Paradise. Um, that demo. Have you played the second one yet? Right. There was a no, second demo. No, that came I've out? I've seen. Yeah, I've seen uh, like the the differences, like uh, uh, where they made some changes and stuff. Like I saw some videos about the changes, and then and then you got the fourth character now. Um, I can't think of her name, Noah or Noel or something like that. The now that you got that character, and then they added the world, like the grass world. So that's gonna be pretty neat. But yeah, I'm I'm I probably I'm not sure. I, I'm gonna find out if the if the demo the second demo like if if it transfers over to the main game because if it doesn't i might uh, i might just wait for the game to come out yeah no i think especially right with just digital downloads becoming so much more prevalent i was trying to see i don't see a physical release for voice of cards right it looks like it might just be digital only um yeah but that's perfect right it gives like it, i think if you had to make a physical release for some of these games they probably wouldn't get greenlit right because it's just yeah it's like oh it's sort of a niche thing it's a big investment yeah like it, yeah. like we don't know how much it's going to sell and and now you got to put it on a, a disc or a cart and get the box and ship it out and instead now they can just say hey you want to download it you want you want to buy it just download it play it like you said it's i mean net more money because yeah you're not obviously spending money on the actual physical materials to make the game but i think that's i mean that's what's awesome about sort of the digital push is it gives these these developers and especially you know the veterans of the game right like let them run wild it's like they've made some of the greatest games of all time you know or, or been big parts of them at least and now like yeah, let's see this weird card game or this weird dungeon game that just the dungeon <laughs> encounters looks wild to me. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if I quite understand it, but um, you know, I, I love it, man. I, and I hope they keep doing more. And then I also love that Square is really leaning into like, hey, here's some demos and let us know what you think. And, you know, we're going to listen to you. We're going to make changes in triangle strategy, except we're not going to change the name. Uh, we're, you know what I mean? Like all these <laughs> games, like I, I love that. Um, as far as Yvette, I'm so bad. I, I'm going to need to think on that. I feel like, I feel like David's got a good one cooked up for, for someone he <laughs> wants to make a game. Uh, I do, but I'll let uh, Xander uh, get in uh, here first. Unfortunately, you know, I'm, I, I'm not as uh, familiar with a lot of Square's work like you guys. So a lot of these people I don't know. Uh, but I do know Namora, and um, I already kind of get the impression that he can do whatever the heck he wants. Just given, <laughs> yeah. just given like me, my, me trying to understand any of the Kingdom Hearts stuff that he does. I, <laughs> it's just I, I, man, it's so hard. But I'm trying, um, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to try to now fit Smash Brothers as a uh, plot point in his next uh, installment. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you make the joke but you just you kind of laugh because you're like oh he, he might actually do that yeah, he, um, he's a, the mad yeah. lad might do it he might just do it um so it would be fun to see uh, honestly i mean part of me is curious about what that actually could look like but i honestly say that more jokingly um so i i don't know if i can really say him because like i said i, I genuinely think he can kind of do whatever he wants because it feels like it's already what he's doing um just 
and somehow he's succeeding because uh, you know with all the naming conventions and all the collections weird <laughs> it, it's i was reading the kingdom hearts titles the other day and i was just like what is up with with video game companies and and the worst naming conventions of all time i know the direct they were Sony. like sony's the only but, one who's got it right playstation uh-huh. one two three yeah. four five bang Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 remix. Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Like yeah, yeah, 2.8. Yeah. What? Uh, I well, to be fair, all all these games are Square Enix properties. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to be said to not giving the developer as much uh, rope as the. As you they know what? Yeah, maybe that's like in. the one thing is like you can create whatever you want. We we have to name it, and it has yeah, to be yeah, we bad. Yeah, we get final say <laughs> on the name. Project Kingdom yeah, we're Hearts. We're gonna hire Pi. one person to name all the games now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. if I were to pick someone, maybe that's not necessarily a. Div- I don't know if she actually makes games, but she's a composer, and you know her. It's Sumimura. I think it'd be kind of cool if you could just let her do whatever the heck she wants. I imagine you know she's very commission based, like do the thing we want you to do based on this. But uh, I'd like to see something just around uh, her work. I think that the Kingdom Hearts uh, Memory of Melody was kind of like that for her. I don't know. I, did, mm-hmm. I didn't play that, but. Um, I, I don't know. I like. I love her music. I love to see more of a uh, more of that. Maybe in a, in, a, in another form. Imagine a, a rhythm rhythm based uh, game like Cadence of Hyrule, but with Shimamura music. Yeah, I mean that'd be great. She's got a lot to pull from. You know, all the Square stuff she's worked on. She did Mario and Luigi. A lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the one I was thinking of, uh, and it's uh, all along the lines of Square, is that like you see all these Square veterans making these games, but then I noticed that uh, Sakaguchi was. It seems like he's. Uh, I'm not saying he's going back to Square, but there seems to be a lot more cooperation there that used to not be there. Uh, like when the Pixel remasters came out, like they had um, Sakaguchi and Uematsu doing like interviews and stuff ab- about it, and then. Uh, there were some of the old square people were promoting Fantasian for like Mistwalker. So there seems to be like this relationship blooming and I'm just thinking, and then the latest thing is that Sakaguchi started playing final fantasy 14 and oh, I think he was like streaming it or something like, so that, that would be pretty neat. Um, but I'm just thinking like, you know, you have all these veterans, like why not give Sakaguchi one last kick at the can with like a, a retro style game where, you know, it, it's kind of in the vein of like you know Final Fantasy four, five, and six, like that that kind of pixel based game again. Just the you know, uh, he he might be if he's not done already, he's getting close to the end of, of his career. Like he's he's admitted as much himself. So like, what kind of wouldn't it be kind of awesome to have like a swan song of yeah, you know send-off. going back to square to the yeah send off of like here's my last hurrah. One you know? might say a Final Fantasy. <laughs> you know you laugh but that's probably yeah. what they would call it, <laughs> it, it yeah. no actually it would be it would be shorter because you know everything in hollywood hollywood has to be clean and quick and just like the final the, tale just how about final or fi- final fantasy forever <laughs> just final. final fantasy final forever. fin, fin. Yeah. <laughs> f but i think yeah i just think it's kind of neat like i don't know i don't know how much development went into these games but you just thinking of like you know these guys are working on some really big projects so there's got to be some kind of some downtime in between so you wonder if like you know voice of cards was something that was just kind of being whittled away at while uh, taro was working on like the near games like you know 
I would assume that there's going to be time where there's like different teams that are kind of not not as busy as other teams during these like great big AAA games. So well, yeah, why not say like, hey, you know, when you have a few hours here and there, why don't you work on this little game and take a few of the development team to work on it sort of thing, you know? Like imagine uh, like Yoshi P is working on Final Fantasy 16, but, you know, he, I, I'm sure he's really busy. But I mean, they're getting to the end now and there's got to be like time here and there that maybe well, he, he's busy maybe with like, 14 hey, also. Although, let's yeah, be serious, that guy's a god. Yeah, well, I would love to see a Yoshi, like some like little small game that that Yoshi P is like, let's try some stuff out, you know, just see if it sticks. I think it'd be pretty neat. Let the artist be artist, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm a champion that for sure, man. I think it'd be neat if... Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of a cold take, but, you know, let Sakurai do something that's not Smash Brothers or Kirby. I think that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. poor man. It's like, he's probably like, <laughs> finally, it's done. And then, like, Nintendo's going to be like, just back up the truck with the, all the money in it. And be like, well, you're going to work on the next Smash? I know. I saw a reset era thread <laughs> yeah. was like Smash Brothers 6 uh, predictions. And you're like, okay, guys, like that's not even funny. Uh, but but yeah. was it even 24 hours? He, he left hours. working on Kirby because he got tired of making sequels, and it's like... Well, he left Nintendo and started his own company, and then he they did, roped yeah. him into playing Sma- uh, doing Smash anyway. I, it, you know, I mean, I feel like the guy, as cool as he is, and like as, as fun as it has been to follow all of his work, like I feel like I haven't really been able to see his creative um, side as much as I would like to, just because his... Content is always limited by what the material he is provided or is picking from. Um, so, you know, all these fighters, as cool as they are, and he is creative in that how he like comes up with a twist or a gimmick for uh, whatever the, their their thing is. It's always like it, it's, it's like a limitation, right? He's pulling from a source material, so he's pulling his creativity from that. I think it'd be kind of fun maybe if you recruited him and put him on one of these uh, Square projects and he could maybe he could do something where he pulls um, an aspect from like I don't know Octopath and or Project Triangle or Kingdom Hearts or whatever Uh, maybe not Kingdom Hearts because he just did that but you know what I mean Uh, I think it'd be fun to just give him a little more creative leeway in terms of what he can do rather than just uh, okay we want you to make a Smash Brothers fighter based on this character okay now look at this character's history and then pull from whatever they're known for Um, I don't know if I'm describing limitations very well but I just feel like (laughs) I haven't seen as much creative work from him as I'd like well I mean his best game isn't to me is Meteos the DS puzzle game. It oh, is really? So, so, so good. I, I mean, it, it, it's so funny because you look at the menus and it's like, oh, it looks just like Smash Bros. It's like it totally Sakurai menuing. But that if you haven't played that game, it's literally like one of my favorite games. It is so good. It's him and his wife. I think his wife's the one who does the, the menus. But it's like that for uh, Kirby Air Ride. It's for Kid, Kid Icarus Uprising, all the Smash Brothers, Medios. They all have like a very distinct flavor and you're like yep i know who made this yeah well he definitely would have had limitations on especially on sora because you can just imagine like you know he, he's like asking about 
all the Disney stuff, and they're like, nope, nope, no Disney. We can't afford that. Well, <laughs> yeah, know? that and was. We can't afford this. No, we can't afford that. I was going to say that was one of the the comments I saw where people were like, normally, you know, you get like introduction of a new character, and it's like, here's all this music and these maps and like other little characters from that game in the background, and th- and then with like with this one, yeah, Disney was probably like, no, no, you're not going to put any of our main characters in the background. No, you can't really use our music. You know, yeah. May- yeah. We'll let you uh, use this character, and that's about it. I guess like a like a layman's term of like how I would describe what I was trying to describe earlier is like I feel like I see fan art from him more than I see original pieces, and like I do not mean that in a negative way. It's just I'm ready for a Sakurai thing rather than him being Sakurai Sakurai unleashed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like go go all out. Like I don't need you to be given a a property that you then make something really cool out of. Like. I, I, like I said, I've loved all the stuff I've seen from him, but it's like I want to see his stuff. A fresh now. IP, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think he was trying to get with that with with uh, with Kid Icarus, and even in Smash Brothers, like you were saying, yeah. like he does a little bit with the like single player stuff, but like let that live and breathe on its own. It's still formulaic, though. Yeah, like Smash Brothers. At the end of the day, like Smash Brothers is still what it was when it came out on they like it's it's very similar to what it was on melee like obviously it's evolved but it it's still like it's it's, it's the same the game bones but its yeah. skeleton is yeah it's the same game there's just like changes here and there and it's yeah it'd be i think it'd be pretty neat too to see like a fresh like a clean slate like here's a white canvas make us something yeah and it's it's interesting because um the the subspace emissary and even in some of the world of light and uh, I would argue also the the Kid Icarus uprising because I had a lot of new stuff in it I thought I found a lot of uh, like enemy designs and storytelling to be kind of similar in those three three things and I almost think that maybe that's kind of his like that's an outlet for him where he is able to make his own stuff and unfortunately I always kind of think that people dog on that as being like oh well we don't like that because it's not Nintendo characters you know I don't want to be fighting a generic um, eyeball fish thing that's floating in the sky I want to be fighting a Goomba it's like okay I get it because it's Nintendo property Smash Brothers it's a crossover you want to see the characters you're familiar with but if you just took all of that stuff and put it into a game and let him lead it maybe it could be more interesting than what people give him credit for yeah i think also it he's like making these cool interesting modes but like they have to play within the gameplay of smash so like i remember like embassy right was sort of like you're doing a lot of running and like some platforming and stuff and it's like I get, I, like, this is fun, but, like, it's also, like, but I'm, it's still the Smash move set. So it's, like, it doesn't 100% feel natural, you know, where it's, like, this is a fighting game and you're, like, doing some platforming and, and you know, side-scrolling. And it doesn't, like, it's cool, but it doesn't feel great because it's, like, it's very much, yeah, like, you're sho- shoehorning in this, you know, this mode within that gameplay. So if he had, yeah, free reign you know, he would be able to tailor that and make it feel really good, I bet. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be really fun. So that's, uh, I know that's not necessarily RPG, but hey, maybe that's what he would, maybe that's what he would make. Who knows? Although I feel like action games kind of seem to be something he's very connected to, so who knows? We shall see. I don't, I don't think that Smash Brothers is going to be his last game. It might be his last Smash Brothers, but I don't know. I don't think it'll be his last game. Yeah, We'll see right. something from him. Hopefully whoever's, uh, whoever gives him the 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 
platform to do it uh, gives them gives them some leeway. Apparently, you know? Ultimate started development uh, the same month that they released the final DLC character of. Um, of uh, Wii the Wii, Wii U, so hopefully, literally right now, hopefully, that, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, his meeting today was not working on Smash Brothers six. Or <laughs> six, yeah. yeah. Well, we can only hope. Yeah, I think this is a good spot to end our episode this week. So, I want to thank uh, Casey and Xander for joining me to for some uh, fun talk about maps and level design and that sort of thing. And. Uh, uh, Case, what uh, what are you what are you up to these days? You're still playing some Diablo two, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, not at the moment. I did I did put it down for for the last uh, hour and change. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, talk Nintendo podcast, still chugging and lugging along. And uh, what do we? I think two sixty five was this past week. And you know we'll be talking about some Metroid Dread next week. And we've got a Prime uh, Metroid Prime replay coming up and all that good stuff. So uh, yep, yeah. When I'm not playing D two or Final Fantasy, I'll I'll be talking over there, and Xander will be. I guess you'll you'll be chugging along to uh, in Doctor Mario until Nintendo uh, pulls the plug on that one. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like kind of at that point where I'm like, do I really want to be wasting my time? Like, you're not going to make it, Xander. Like, <laughs> well, this is a lost cause. But I'm like, I've come so far. With that attitude, give up. I know exactly. I can't <laughs> give up my optimism. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Uh, regardless, I cannot wait for that game to be gone forever. Because good grief, I hate that game. <laughs> Spending his time wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the game he hates. (laughs) It's true. It feels like a burden every time. Like, you know, when you get to the point where you're like, I don't want to turn even turn the game on anymore, but you're so close. It's like, like that's where I'm at, and this is literally an app on my phone. Like, it takes no effort at all to turn on. You sound like a World of Warcraft player. Yeah, that's kind. Yeah, right. That's kind (laughs) of how it feels. Anyway, I eventually will create something to just kind of gush on all of my hatred and some enjoyment of, because there are some things about it I actually like. But yeah, that's a game I cannot recommend to even my worst enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll get there. There's no love for mobile games here. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, I know. (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and I, so I, I'm still uh, working away on Tales of Arise. I had a, uh, after the first two Lords, I had a bit of a fatigue with it. Uh, but then once I started back up on the third Lord in the in the New Realm, the uh, the formula kind of changed a bit. It wasn't, uh, wasn't quite the same, you know, meet the bad guy and, and defeat them uh, storyline. It, it started to, you know, change a bit and adapt. So it's... It's uh, re-peaked my interest, so I'm uh, currently in the fourth world uh, working away, so I'm having fun with that. And um, what what other... there's uh, Oh, and I'm still uh, working through Eastward on Switch, uh, so that one's uh, pretty fun too. And then uh, this week, actually, I did a couple of quick uh, platforming... Uh, reviews for platformers, actually. for They're both like extremely short, <laughs> Steel Assault and uh, Neon Drive, so... Uh, if you're looking for uh, a very short platformer, short but fun, uh, it's uh, worth checking out the reviews over at thethirstymage.com. But uh, with that, I guess I'll say uh, thank you for everyone listening, and and uh, thank you again, you Casey and uh, Xander, for joining me, and we'll see everyone out uh, at the next Thirsty Mage. Thanks again. Adios. Take care. Bye-bye.